You're listening to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile hustlers from all over the world as they go through the climb and seek to make a difference. Here are your hosts, Tayo Roxon and Carlos Gill. Welcome, everybody, to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile entrepreneurs as they hustle their way to the top while seeking to make a difference. I'm your host, Ty Roxon, and with me, I've got my illustrious co-host, Carlos Gill. Los- yo, yo, what is going on to all of you hustlers out there? Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Hustle Culture. We have an amazing guest joining us here today. Um, before I turn it over to him, let me just go through this guy's bio for a second. He helped Oprah put the first Instagram video on TV. He helped produce the first ever Twitter chat for Mount Everest. He was named a rising star in social journalism by the Huffington Post in 2013. Two-time Addy winner. Helped a TV show win the first Emmy for social TV. Two-time South by Southwest speaker. And this is the man that I give credit to helping me land my first ever job in social media, I would not be on the stage where I'm at today if it wasn't for this guy. So with that, I want to turn it over to Nick Cicero of Del Mondo. Welcome to Hustle Culture, Nick. Hey, thank you very oh. much. <laughs> that was a pretty amazing. Hey, I'm, I'm in my microphone. That bio, you give yeah. him some props. Give him some That's props. That's If you don't know, we're, we're doing this this podcast on, on Blab right now. And I'm holding a microphone, um, but it's not plugged in. So this is really just for show. But I want to say thank you, Carlos, for that amazing introduction. You are the the Bruce Buffer of podcast introductions right now, I think. Thank you so much for that. Hey, well, let's get ready to rumble, <laughs> man. It's my pleasure. All right. So really Nick, good. we had that intro. We had that lovely intro. We talked about your background. But can you just tell us where it all got started? How did you get into what you do today? And give the audience a background you know, as to how you got started. Yeah, so I started uh, I started creating music when I was about seventeen. Well, well, a lot earlier than that, but I started uh, you know writing music and kind of producing music on the computer when I was about seventeen, and starting to learn more about the internet. And then when I went to college, I had twenty four hour a day internet, which was pretty amazing. And so I just kind of discovered the internet and was doing a lot of business online, and started a, an audio production company that led to marketing and advertising which then I went uh, to grad school for. So fast forward to that. Uh, I mean, I worked, worked in a number of ad agencies. Uh, you know, I helped Winn-Dixie launch their digital and social presence. That's where Carlos, Carlos and I met. Um, Carlos came on as, as part of the social, kind of head of the social team at Winn-Dixie. Uh, and then I worked in a few tech companies as well. So once I got into the ad world, I got into the technology side of all of this marketing hustle culture at the same time. Like everybody's doing a lot of technology and building businesses. And so I decided to join a tech company. Um, and then now I have my own company, which is Del Mondo. And so Del Mondo is an end-to-end platform for creators to monetize their content on, on any screen, really. So we have about 1,500 really high-quality creators like Evan, who if you guys were on here a little bit earlier, you saw Evan. Um, and we're working, especially in the Snapchat space, of pairing brands with those influencers and creating really meaningful content off of brand channels. Okay. So, Nick, let's talk about – let's keep talking about your humble beginnings for a little bit. So let's go before Winn-Dixie, before you got into the agency world. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you studied music. Is that correct? Yeah. So I went to – my undergrad degree is in jazz trumpet, and uh, I went to Nazareth College in Rochester, New York. 
And I did. I played trumpet, played in a lot. Um, and I was making music at the same time. So I'd go to school, I'd go to class. I thought I was going to be a music teacher. And I still love teaching music. And I actually taught music in grad school to like first through third graders. Um, but yeah, I, I was just kind of new that like the whole internet was new. Social media was a very new concept. Certainly no brands were really doing anything with the Facebooks of the world and Twitter wasn't even out yet. And yeah, so that's kind of how I got started. And I've played music my whole life and, and really meeting and connecting with all these people through the internet and musicians is kind of how I was able to find and connect with more and more people. Um, I met people when I was in, you know, I lived in Syracuse and I went to school in Rochester, but I met people in Florida and in, in California and in Las Vegas and all these other places through the internet, connecting with them. Uh, and then when I finished school, I actually like went down to Florida where you and I met Carlos, but yep. you know, I was down there really not because of marketing or advertising. I was down there because I was trying to work in music studios. And as a result of that, I knew how to market myself to even get to those gigs. You know, I've worked with some really, really popular uh, musicians, really popular rappers like Psy High the Prince and Pitbull, and I've done some really awesome work. And that was all through connections that I met on the internet. Yeah. Okay. So now, now you said, you know, you did the music, then you were in Rochester here, you moved to, to Florida. Why did you fall in love all of a sudden with um, having a digital presence? And what about that did you feel could elevate your brand or actually help you to get to the level where you're helping Oprah launch? you know, one of the first, uh, you know, videos that she did in that, that sphere. Yeah. You know, I think that, that going back to that music thing, you know, the thing that, that differentiated me as I never wanted to be a rapper, right. That wasn't me. Like I'm a composer. No. I play jazz music. No, no I know, no, I know you, got some, you, you got some, um, you got some, I could, blow a little I bit. could spit some bombs. I mean, I won't <laughs> drop, do that. Drop something for us real quick. Can you drop a freestyle? Uh, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm not going to drop a freestyle right now. It's too much, too much. You wouldn't be able to handle it, Carlos. It'd be all over the internet. It'd be on, you know, Two dope boys tomorrow, and things would be all over. I wouldn't be able to drop a freestyle on Snapchat. No way, I'd be like, I'd be like Post Malone, and and be everywhere. Um, no, but that that's you know, I was producing a lot of cool music, and I wanted to do commercials, and I'd, I've done a lot of jingles, and you know, I've written music for like American Idol and Dog the Bounty Hunter, and and Ford and the New York Giants, and wrote a lot of cool jingles and music. For me, the differentiator was always like having an online presence, I guess, because I felt like if I was accessible then it was very easy to get business. And people, you know, MySpace bulletin boards to me were like a treasure trove of opportunities and Craigslist and, and, and forums and message boards. Those are the places that I used to hang out with in like 2004, 2005, 2006, where I was finding all of these really awesome gigs to make music for, to find people who are now like really like, you know, I, we just did a campaign with this company, live streaming app Stream at Tomorrow World in Atlanta. If anybody's like an EDM fan, they might know Tomorrow World. Um, we went down there and one of the guys that I first met when I first started producing music, he's like on the main stage now. And I hit him up, I sent him a text and I'm like, holy cow, I didn't even know like you took your career in this type of direction. We were like making hip hop beats and he decided to just go out on his own and just kind of be like a, and, and really push that DJ side and play his own music. And now he's like headlining festivals all over the world. So it's really interesting to see the connections that I've made in the music industry and now how everything that I'm doing now today in the creator space is really like a culmination of all that. I, I, I keep forgetting how young, Nick, you are. So you mentioned oh, MySpace. Yeah. For me, my early days of the internet and social media is AOL. Does AOL had, yeah, aim, yeah. does that not resonate? Yeah, like I had, age, you know, when, when yours I was, as well, Tayo? 
Look, I, I might be the youngest here, but I also know AOL. I had an AOL account, Carlos. We're not that much babies, but if I, I are the youngest. Yeah, is that true? <laughs> it is true. But um, up, Nick. Oh. but you know, to that point, one thing I wanted to say is, you know, why I was asking you about the the digital presence and why you, you spent time doing that is I wanted to know what it's like for hustlers who are trying to come up in the game, trying to work through that climb and what, what steps they can take to improve their online presence, you know, to get in front of the right influencers and to do those type of things. You obviously work with these brands and people and publishers. So I just want to know if you could drop some, um, some hints, tips, you know, things that direction. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of stuff for free. Uh, a lot of things for free. I still do a lot of things for free. I shouldn't do so many things for free now, but I definitely, I, I've done so many things and I, and I think that that's really what it's about, right? It's like giving, giving a lot of things, but you can show and improve your value in a lot of ways too, right? Like I, I, uh, I had my own blog when I wanted to, to start writing. So I would write on my own blog and send it around to people. And yeah, that was when I wanted to differentiate when I was super young and doing the music industry stuff, it was more of just being involved and having like, you had a profile on a message board and, and people actually knew that if you were interactive on that thing, like stuff would happen. And I had sites where you could like have profiles that you could post your music. And so there's all those, that side of things. But then when I wanted to hustle and, and, and kind of, and kind of really establish my own, I started to cross over and, and built my own website or got my own WordPress site. And then I went and I, I did the things that I needed to do. Like, wrote all the articles myself. I didn't wait to like ask somebody or just submit on other websites that I really liked, but you know, but I kept them, I connected with them. And then eventually I did just reach out and say, Hey, you know, I really like your stuff. I wrote this. What do you think about it? And I asked that to probably hundreds of different types of people. And eventually we had a few people that kind of broke through and they gave me an opportunity to kind of prove my value and saw that I was doing a lot of cool things on my own. And I wasn't waiting for somebody to like, tell me that it was time to write for this web or I was trying to do this or that I should make this music, this video about this or that or whatever. I just did things because I wanted to and, and I wanted to be a part of the environment and the atmosphere um, that I saw myself being. Like I think visualizing where you want to go is is very important. Yeah, so let's talk about, so let's talk about when you were in Daytona and you were working in, in the agency world. Daytona Beach in the hizzy. So you're in Daytona Beach. You wound up going from Daytona up to Jacksonville. And you worked for a couple of agencies. We met. You actually helped me land the job at Winn-Dixie. So that's where you and I met. Yes. We worked together. Let's talk a little bit about agency life for a bit. Agency life. Let's talk about it. What do you want to talk about it? So talk, talk to us or talk to everyone listening out there who has aspirations to work in social media. You know, one of the questions I get asked often is, if you want to get a job in social media, should you immediately start up your own company? Should you go work for a brand? I always try to steer folks towards working at an agency first. And I know I started down the brand route, but I already had my own company. You started on the agency side and you still work on the agency side. You own your own. Uh, talk to anyone out there that has aspirations of getting in the game. What that path looks like if you get started working in the agency world. Yeah, man, I really, you know. I thought I, my path is, I don't think, I don't know how, I don't know how it starts with other people. Really. My path is, is very simple. I was, I really liked writing music. I found out that people got paid to write music like for commercials. And that was a real job. And after I found out that that was a real job, I'm like, okay, how do I become that person? 
that I became that person. Then I'm like, okay, cool. It's not always easy to just write jingles by yourself. You have to work really hard and you have to do a lot of them to get a lot of money. So how do I become the guy who hires me, right? There's somebody who's got like a nine to five job that hires the guy who writes the jingles. So right. if I could be that guy, then I could probably get a job. And so that I found out was an ad agency. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I discovered like what an actually an ad agency was. That's kind of, you know, I was a music major, right? Like I didn't take any business classes. I didn't know any of that. And so then I went into to grad school, you know, happened you know, to read a book about advertising because I was hustling. I was selling back, buying back books from people as part of like a, a startup that happened to, to like buy back students' books and sell them. So I, I met this girl and I bought that and I saw these advertising books that look interesting and I was buying them back and I just kept them and I didn't just like give them back. And I read it and it said that Syracuse was a great school for advertising. Mm-hmm. And I read this whole book about advertising. I'm like, this is exactly what I'm doing with my music, but just like described as like a whole company. I'm like, there's a whole company that does this stuff that I want to do with my music. So like, that's, that's how I get a job doing this. And that's how I like, you know, that's how I can afford to have an apartment and stuff so, so you would, so that was you would say that's, that's kind of how i got into agency life for any young hustler that wants to get in the game of social media get into marketing would you recommend that they go work for an agency intern. yeah i go intern so i interned at eric mower and associates in syracuse and i interned at the the democrat chronicle mm-hmm. which is like a Gannett newspaper in rochester i am a big fan of internships and i know there's like this big weird paid or not paid like i didn't get i didn't get paid very much and i and I ended up having to like pay stupid money for like credits that i didn't even want you know and, and just like so whatever because i don't know whatever whether you're in college or whether you're not like ask people if you can work for free for them or be an intern or do some stuff for them there's ways that you can do that like that's what i did and that's time and experience that you could put on a resume in a lot of cases today people are not even worried about like where your resume is coming from. They're like, do you have that work experience? If you're in there, if you're doing a good enough job and you're understanding the capabilities, then they just probably will hire you and start paying you anyways. So I think that the ability to, for people to just not start working in, in some way, in some shape or some form is, is, is super important. Awesome, man. So from Daytona slash Jacksonville, you made the trek across the country. You moved here to San Francisco. Looks like... We traded places almost because I'm here now. And, we and, did. And I'm you so moved back to the East Coast. Could, like, live here at the same time. Yeah, it would have been amazing of... if we were both lived here at the same time. That would have been pretty epic. I don't think San Francisco can handle that. So you worked yes. on the vendor side uh, for a company by the name of Livefire. Talk to us about that experience. Again, you worked at agency directly with brands like Winn-Dixie, just how we met. And then you worked for Livefire where you had an opportunity to work with some amazing brands. I recall you worked, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, on the PlayStation 3 launch. Was it? And four. Four, and you did some really uh, cool projects there. Talk to us about that experience for you and how that kind of helped shape your career to where you're at today. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny, right? Like, I, I've always worked, if you've been following from the beginning, like, uh, you know, you can understand that I've done a lot of media and entertainment type work. And so I went over and I found this company, Livefire, uh, and they're just really cool. And, and I, I, it was almost like working in an agency there, too. Because they were young, they were a startup. They did have, a, you know, they have a SaaS product, an enterprise SaaS company. They were known just as a comments company then. Um, but then they were trying to like take all this awesome new technology that they were building and give it, you know, give it life. Mm-hmm. And so we had a lot of we had a lot of, of pitches that were like working with brands. So uh, you know, a brand like PlayStation that came in and they're like, hey, we're trying to do X, Y, and Z, and it never had been done before with this type of technology. So 
curating in social content, being able to pull it in there and, and, and index that. I know it sounds today, it sounds like really simple. Like everybody's got tweets or curating tweets into a, some type of, of social media wall. But like we were like some of the first people doing that. So while, while today it seems like very commonplace, before it was something that people were like, well, why would people want to see a bunch of people's tweets on a different website? That thought to them was like crazy. And today it's everywhere, right? And, and so it was interesting. It was like being in an agency inside of a technology company because we were having to like craft these really cool ideas for people around social media in the same way that I think working in a social, working in social roles at ad agencies before that had been in the very same way. The experimental ideas that we brought to Winn-Dixie, for example, were, you know, were not that different, not that far off from some of the ways that the ideas that we were execute inside of Livefire have the same applications. Do you think anyone would get mad if we were to talk on the Hustle Culture podcast about how difficult it is to get really good ideas off the ground on the brand side that the agency that the Nick Cicero delivers? Uh, I think that it's, uh, I don't know if anybody's going to get mad. I think that it's just, there's, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's a bummer, right? But, you know, corporations are what they are, right? There's a lot of money. There's a lot of overhead. They're really uh, resistant to change. Um, and, and you do spend a lot of time trying to, to make people understand and educate people. Mm-hmm. Is that fun? No, it's not, it's not the most fun thing in the world. It's really fun to be creative and it's fun to execute and it's fun to measure those things. That's what I like to do. So, I mean, but I think that if you build a relationship with people, that part is fun though. All that time, like think about Carlos, like we, if we were just executing, sometimes we may not, we may not have gotten to spend as much time as we got to spend together. I mean, we did have to have a lot of meetings for for different types of things when we work together, mm-hmm. uh, and I've had to have a lot of meetings with a lot of my different clients over the years. But I think that that's allowed me to build those great relationships. And I think that the people, unless you're like the one running the company, which this is why I like broke out and started my own company, so I could hopefully change that. Like unless you're like you're the tippy tippy top person. You kind of have to play within the rules and unless you want to be such a pain in the butt and you want to be that, you know, that that person who wants to, you know, always step over the line. At some level, you have to play the game and play the politics to get any idea through. So you can be on one side of the scale where you're like crazy overboard and it can go against the grain or you can try to figure out how to work and weave your way within. And I've met a lot of really cool people who are corporate brand lifers but are like the most creative people in the world. They just are just super smart and understand how to weave through these political ideas and are understanding like when is the time to fight and when is the time not to. Taylor, you're muted. Can't hear you. Can you hear Tyra? No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep running um, on our end. So Nick, you have to be one of the, one of the greatest minds in social and I've told you this. Openly. That's way too flattering, but I appreciate well, that. No, you know, I've, I've told you this, you know, in full disclosure, Nick and I were really good friends. Nick has had a tremendous impact on my career. So I feel I'm giving credit where credit is due. Um, one thing that I've told you that I always like about your craft is that you're not putting your face everywhere. And as we start talking about Del Mondo and the work that you're doing with the Snapchat stars, you are very much a true strategist. You're behind the scenes. You're the architect. You're in the process of building your empire. So let's talk about what goes into building Del Mondo. And for those that are watching and also listening right now to the Hustle Culture Podcast, give us thirty a 30-second introduction as to what Del Mondo is. Yeah, so I think I said it when we started off, but Del Mondo is really an end-to-end platform for creators to monetize and measure their content on any screen. 
Um, so we have about 1,500 creators right now, and we facilitate relationships between brands and creators uh, to build content partnerships for them, whether that's a lot of those campaigns this year have been on Snapchat, um, but we've done a ton with Facebook video. And you know, going back to like what you said, you know, we believe in this creative economy and the creator's economy. And, and, and for me, the past 10 months that Belmondo has really been an organization, even though I spent the last 10 years of my life working with, you know, major platinum artists and producers and doing brand deals for them. Like we did deals with Sci High in 2007 with Heineken, you know, Sci High and Kanye went on tour and we did, you know, they were selling out and these were Heineken branded shows and we created content in Shock Honda. I did this thing with Macy's, Macy's and Levi's was one of another campaign that was that they did as well. So it's like taking that 10 years worth of, of one-off type brand stuff and bringing that to our culture now that these creators have built that audience already and brands are realizing that like they can create their own media entities. And these creators, in essence, are mini Buzzfeeds, right? So, you know, you just saw Evan leave, Evan, you know, E.M. Garber leave my apartment, Snapchat star. You know, we went to CNN on Thursday with three Snapchat influencers to basically help shoot video for their Snapchat Discover channel on that's going to go out on next week um, to help promote a lot of their, their new footage and content coming out there. So what we're trying to do is like build relationships and try to kind of let people know that there are a lot of marketers out there who are spending a lot of time creating content that struggle to reach a, a great audience, right? And there's creators like Evan who can reach hundreds of thousands of people in one afternoon who are totally willing to come and work with a brand and create content together in a way that's not bogging down his audience. They don't get upset when they work with brands. In fact, they kind of think it's cool. So those are the types of partnerships that we're trying to create, but it's not easy, right? Like it's not easy for one, for one Vine star to go to like an Oreo and tell them that mm -hmm. story. They don't quite understand in the same way. So for us, you know, I've had to do a lot of projects and I've had to do a lot of really interesting things. Like, you know, with Mark Kay, we helped mm -hmm. the 24 hour Snapchat story. It's like a unique way where we had to figure out, you know, Brandon Harvey, we helped do the first white chat, the Snapchat story at the White House, taking opportunities that that these creators are afforded and figuring out what's a great way to turn that into a great story for you guys to help the entire economy, to help more and more brands who are trying to get into the space feel comfortable enough to jump in and make that commitment to them. Man. Yeah, so it looks, like, it looks like we still can't hear you, Tayo. Uh, Sorry, Tayo. But Nick, as we as we keep moving forward and we talk about Snapchat, and I see joining us in the room here is Mike Stelzner of Social Media Examiner. Welcome, up, Mike? Mike, to Hustle Culture. If you want to hop in and jam out. I love out your with podcast, us. Mike Stelzner, if you're there. I love your podcast. Yeah, if you want to hop in, Mike, and jam out, we're going to start talking about Snapchat. So Mike was on uh, last week with Tayo and I here on Hustle Culture, and he was asking who are some of the top stars or some of the top influencers and up-and-comers in the Snapchat game. So I'm going to ask the same question of you. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Evan, you, who you just saw, M Garber, EM Garber, um, Danny Burke is another great person. Celia Snap, uh, Brandon Harvey, uh, Cakes One to Doe One. So many good ones. Obviously, you know, Sean, I think Sean's been on Mike. I heard, I like the episode with Sean on Mike's podcast is really good. Um, who else is doing some great stuff? Uh, Giorgio Copter, he's actually like an international Snapchat star, but he's got a lot of fans here in the U.S. Um, Geo Snap, uh, so many of them right now. It's hard to think about them what all. What amazes me about these influencers on Snapchat? And these are all native, by the way. Like I'm about to say, these are all native. That doesn't even include. There's, you know, there's a lot of really cool Viners 
and interesting YouTubers yeah. who have now come over to Snapchat and, and they get it, right? Like they can tell a whole nother side. So, you know, native Snapchat stars, of course, like tons, you know, oh, Mike Placco. How can I forget Mike? I love that. Love that guy. What, what, um, just but native Snapchat versus like Viners is totally different. What impresses me about this community, right, is you've got marketers like you and I that we can go work for a brand or an agency. We get strategy, how social works. We get that piece. But then you actually have artists. You have creators out there. Right. That it started with YouTube, with the vloggers. It transcended into Vine. And for any of you out there that, that, that know what Vine is, you know, I spent – for about a year, almost every night watching Vine videos, just seeing the creativity. And now it seems like Snapchat is that new frontier where you have this next wave of talents that are going to, and you mentioned Giorgio, Sean. Uh, there's so many of them out there that not only are they creating amazing visual content through drawing, but they're actually creating these amazing stories through their snaps. So walk yeah. us Walk us through how you, as the founder of Del Mondo, for one, finds these folks, and two, how are you connecting them with brands? Well, I mean, by finding finding the folks, you know, I, I don't think that it, it's it's kind of like a special. It's it's a little bit special, right? I mean, I think that I was in there really early on, and I was friends with. I was, I've I've become like friends with Shonduras and with Evan, who you just saw. Like mm -hmm. Evan's crashing on my couch last night to save money on a hotel room. You know what I mean? And and, and so like I understand, you know, I've met these people like Cyrene Q is another friend. I've had a lot of events, like I brought them all together. You know, I brought a lot of people together in New York to do a Snapchat meetup. And so everybody could meet each other. Um, we've spent a lot of time in like private groups and chats and messages and just really talking and, and being, I, I don't know, an advisor to a lot of them, I think in a way, like I don't really manage any of them, but it's more of like helping them and understanding because they see that there are a lot of these other stars like, they see how do these Vine stars become really big? And I'm like, well, they've done X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, if you're a Snapchat star, you should probably do X, Y, and Z to work with them as well. So it's not, it's, it's, you know, a lot of it is word of mouth. So being able to give and try to like help people and talk with people, I think is super important and being able to give back and build a community around that. Um, but then also just being involved. Like I love, you know, being into Snapchat. I, I watch it every day. I love to create a lot of snaps myself. Um, I really like all parts of it. I'm very interested in the platform. I'm very curious about what it is. And so being able to like take it apart, put it back together, or look at it in all different ways, I think is something that's really interesting. So, you know, I, true story here, I signed up for Snapchat at the beginning of 2014. And again, I don't want to come off like I'm a big Nick Cicero fanboy, but you, Nick, actually got me into Snapchat earlier this year, before I went to go visit you in New York back in January, you guys had a big blizzard. I was literally watching your snaps, okay, of that blizzard, almost like if you were a CNN reporter on the ground in New York. And to me, that is really what drew <laughs> the platform. That, that was pretty funny. I forgot. I forget about that. But yeah, so I did. Um, I did like live snap, like an 80 block walk <laughs> from from lower Manhattan all the way up to my apartment here on the Upper East Side. And I like kind of snapped my whole way through a blizzard and uh, it was hilarious. It was so much fun, but I just kind of like committed to it. And yeah, it was, it was one of the first times that I like got super, super into it. And, uh, and now like I, you know, I had a really fun time doing that like Snapchat story at CNN on Thursday. And so I kind of, I kind of like getting to be a part of, of, 
some of these experiences with the influencers and getting them paid to do that. I think that that's a lot of fun too. Uh, but yeah, like playing with the platform and understanding it makes me a better strategist, right? Like I'm able to understand, you know, what do we need to do? You know, we just did a campaign with Cinnabon last weekend that did, that went really well, but you know, to, to get a brand to be willing to understand how to work with an influencer, it takes more than just showing them that they have a lot of followers or that showing them they can get a big reach. It's storyboarding those concepts. It's putting those campaigns together and, and really bringing that together and understanding how they can connect it with their other platforms as well, right? It's not just social living in a box and Snapchat. It's about bringing it in with all these other things. Yeah. Oh, thank Excellent. you so much, so you've had that. you've had some really cool experiences since you founded Del Mondo. You've worked with JBL. You were at the NBA All Star Game. You're working with Cinnabon. For one, my man, do me a favor and just dust your shoulder off. <laughs> there we go. There we <laughs> there go. go. And for those that are watching here, on the lab, let's prop Nick up. So one of the challenges that a lot of one of the challenges that it's a lot like props of props are going in my own tech. Yeah, there we go. And for those of you listening on iTunes right now, Nick is catching all the props here on Blab with his armpit. In my armpit. So for those of you listening that don't have the visual, you're not missing much. <laughs> Anyways, Nick, one of the challenges, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's get real. Let's talk about the real talk. One of the challenges that a lot of entrepreneurs that are getting in this game face is they know how to put out content. But scaling that content to actually connect with brands and make money is a challenge. So how do you, and again, let's keep in mind that this is all about hustle. How do you stay amped up and how do you bridge that gap between not making money and actually driving revenue through your business? I mean, I try not to do, I try to be really, I try to do as much as I can do by myself, right? I built, I built my website for Dalmondo all by myself. I write all of the content pretty much by myself, write all the blog posts, the eBooks, the everything like I think that I'm, you know, leading the charge. And I, I obviously, as you scale, I think that I'm going to be able to break a lot of those responsibilities off to the most capable people, but I'm not going to expend any resources until I know that I'm going to get some value out of that, right? Like, that's the reason that we don't just whip out an ebook every other week. I mean, we've been very strategic in, in the content that I put out there or the decisions that I make. I, you know, I spend very little, I keep, you know, I keep very lean and I try to, and I work really hard and I love working it. So I think that that's the other thing too, is that if you say that you want to start a company, if you say you want to do anything, you should own it and you should go after it. And I don't know, I, I like to, I like the process of building things, right? I, I, you know, I can't watch everybody's Snapchat or everybody's YouTube video. I don't watch a lot of TV, you know what I mean? Even though I love working with TV and I have my private programs that I like, and I do a ton of strategy for television companies um, with Brave Ventures which is, you know, our, our investors at Del Mondo, Brave Ventures, I'm a strategist over there. Um, and, and so I, I don't know, like, I, I guess I don't have an off button. I just, I wake up, like I woke up, you know, this morning at 7am, you know, not even that early, I guess maybe it's early, maybe it's not, but you know, I didn't really hang out. I got up and I just started doing things. You know, I, I had to like write a couple of things here and there, checked off a couple of things off my list, send a couple of notes to people, checked up on things. And it was on the days on now, you know, I'm going to leave from here. I'm going down to Gen Beauty, this, this awesome conference put on by my friends at Ipsy. Um, you may know Michelle Fan. So Michelle yeah, Fan absolutely. is a huge you know, beauty YouTuber. 
And so she's somebody that's awesome. So I'm going down, you know, to, to meet with them and to talk with them about how, you know, we can work, Del Mondo can work with some cool, you know, some of the stuff that they're doing because they're interested in the stuff that we're doing. So it really like, to me, I have no time zone and I just keep going. And I don't know, I, for me, I've like kind of sold into this opportunity that I want to do it myself and I'm going to just run with it till it crashes and burns. And then I can always go work at another job somewhere else or yeah, I can always go absolutely. like. Absolutely. So from right here, there's a lot of bootstrapping that goes into it. A lot of working late nights. The hustle never yeah. ends. The hustle never sleeps. So where do you see your empire? Where do you see the Nick Cicero Del Mondo empire taking you? Uh, Del Mondo is going to become a really, really, really uh, big company. Uh, it's already starting and I'm really excited about it. And we're going to have a lot of really exciting announcements that are coming up in the next few weeks that I can't really talk about right now. Give um, us, no, come on. Give us, give us a little sneak I mean, peek hustle culture podcast. Yeah. I mean, I would just say, yeah. I, I mean the, the, what I could talk about is that, you know, we have a really defined vision of what, what the creator economy means for the next 10 years. Uh, and we have a lot of really great partners who believe in that too. And I think that you know we're looking we're looking past we're we're looking past Snapchat we're looking past all these platforms and we're looking at true creators uh, and talent as the future of, of marketing. So Procter and Gamble right. to us, in a few years Procter and Gamble is nothing but another talent agency because I think the brands realize that, that instead of trying to buy the media, you can build the media and own the media and then buy against your own media. And so we're we're anticipating that talent is the future and the cornerstone of that. So for someone who's not familiar with the term creator economy, what is it? So it's a, the creator economy is kind of like a term that I coined uh, on a blog post a, a while ago, but it's really just this change in business that's being done because of the accessibility of, of not just influential social media stars, but freelancers in general. So the ability to have somebody like, uh, you know, I don't know, somebody like a Matt Pat, who, you know, you may know, or like, uh, or PewDiePie or, or any of these other big, you know, Jason Horton, who I know, you know, you yep. know, here, somebody like that, those who would take and build huge audiences, uh, and they can take audiences, and then they can build a team around them in which they are literally turning themselves into, into media companies as, through their creations. And so by building an audience and, and you know, building an audience over time and serving that audience content, they, in essence, can then turn on them and, and sell them, whether it's products or events or things uh, or, or subscription-based content. Uh, we just believe that that is, model is becoming so prevalent and the entire media landscape is changing as a result of that. Television is just becoming another app where you're driving traffic to another app. And so the power of portable audiences are, are huge. And so in the creator economy, mm -hmm. people like Evan, people mm -hmm. like Shonduras, people like PewDiePie or people like uh, Cyrene Q or, or any of these other, you know, we just worked with this kid, Aiden Alexander, who's a budding, he's a huge Instagram star. And now he's, you know, doing a lot more on YouTube. So people like that, they have the ability to create huge scaled audiences for them to monetize in a lot of different ways. And that's that economy right now. And I think that every brand is going to, is going to see that model as the future. You know, my prediction for, if I may, for Del Mondo is you guys, I, I'd say the next two to five years will be the premier talent agency where brands will go to, to run ad and marketing campaigns. And I'm speaking I love it. for one, I've told you, and, and I've told you this many times, you are, at least for me, Scooter Braun of this industry. You discovered, seriously, I'm going to stay humble here. You discovered someone like myself 
who's now gone on to work for brands like LinkedIn, has been a head of digital at other companies. That wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for you and for our relationship. So again, I tip my hat to you. But you're also discovering, you mentioned some names out there. Yeah, absolutely, my man. You're mentioning some guys out there like Evan Garber. You're working with Jason Horton. These are folks that they may not be known to the average individual out there, but they have influence. Someone like Jason has had millions of people. I think he even told me billions, but millions of people watch Watch his content on YouTube. He's in other videos too, right? Which honestly, these people out there, these everyday people that, you know, are viewed as everyday, but they're creators. They have perhaps greater marketing reach than the average Fortune 500 brand out there when you really stop and think about it. So speaking as someone who is a brand marketer and does this for a living, I would rather make a capital investment in working with a company like Del Mondo that's going to give me access to these influencers that have greater reach than by just paying to put out a print ad or run a spot on the radio, which we know today really is very hard to measure in comparison to, to running social campaigns. So let's let's keep talking about what you're currently doing, Nick. You work for <coughs> you mentioned Brave Ventures. Let's talk about that experience. It's a Gary Vaynerchuk owned company. How's that experience been for you? Um, yeah, so Brave Ventures is, uh, is was co-founded by Jesse Redness, David Beck, and, and yes, Gary Vaynerchuk as well. Um, and it's a group of, of really smart thinkers in the media and entertainment industry. It's part uh, VC, where we invest in companies. Uh, you know, they invested in Del Mondo, have made investments in other companies uh, as well, and uh, media and entertainment startups. Uh, but they also work on a lot of really great consulting gigs as well. So we're working with a lot of really awesome media uh, companies, television networks to really help change management, uh, very high level. Like we talked about before, how do you get corporations to think about things differently? Uh, I think that Brave Ventures is doing that for the media and entertainment space. And then we're also you know, doing a lot of studio productions as well. So we have a number of, uh, of, of movies and documentaries through our studio division. So I kind of sit as a strategist over all of those divisions, kind of helping out. Uh, and then we also have uh, a content entity called TV Rev. And so that's tvrev.com. And that's a site that we write pretty much daily about original pieces, uh, about the intersection of television and, and media and entertainment and that space where television kind of used to be. Awesome. How has, the, how has the experience helped you working for Brave and having this amazing leadership team at the helm? How has that helped you in growing Del Mondo? I mean, I get to work with super, super smart people every day and, and people who have, you know, so many, so many years more experience than I have in, in running million and billion dollar companies. And so I think that that's really awesome to, to have those type of people, right? To get to sit there and get to work with them every day on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Uh, and I really love, and I think that I have a great opportunity and I'm very like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to over talk about it because I don't, I don't know how to. I don't always how I don't always know how to express how lucky that I think that I am um, for that opportunity. I think that I worked my ass off to get here. Don't get me wrong, no. but I mean I think that I'm very grateful now because I'm very very happy and I love working with the Brave Venture team. I love working you know with them on their projects and on well our projects and working on Del Mondo as well. And I love that that's like a family almost and a network of people. They really understand what it means to not just be like a, a hustler, but to do it in a way that's smart and tangible. You know, this this term hustle gets often gets a bad rap 
because you know it, it you know a lot of people don't know what they're doing when they're hustling and not people right. you know, aren't willing to drop everything or 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 willing to drop everything and be stupid about it right like i think that there's a difference between a smart calculation and a not smart calculation and so it's really great to have those smart people that help and guide me and give me a lot of advice as i do grow as a young entrepreneur um, because I am, and, and I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm young. I'm not so young anymore, as, as young as I thought that I used to be. Uh, but at the same time, it's crazy how that happens and how mother time sneaks up on you, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, and so I have so much more to learn, and I feel like you know, the the world is changing so fast, and I feel like I have so many more working years of my life as an adult. And so for me, I'm ready. You know, I, I feel like you know, it's awesome. I'm ready to be. Hopefully, can be some type of leader for the future and help a lot of different types of people and inspire people myself like they have and, and, you know, are respected in their industries. And so it's really just great to, for me to learn and I don't know, try to soak all that in and try not to step over the line and, and, and piss people off by being too exuberant. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so you work for brave. Um, thanks for, for giving us some insight as to what you do there. Tell us about working for Gary Vee. Do you have access to him? Do you see him on a regular basis? Do you guys chat? Uh, I don't, I mean, Gary's cool. I think, you know, he's part, he's, a, he's one of the co-founders, but he's so busy. I mean, I, I mean he's there. We're, we're inside of, you know, VaynerMedia and VaynerRC. Um, I'm not saying that he's like my best friend or everything, but, you know, I've talked with him. We've had conversations. He's a great guy. You know, he understands what he's doing. Um, his presence is felt everywhere in Vayner and uh, everywhere that I am. I mean, I, I don't know. He's just, I think that he's, he's a good guy to me. He's somebody that I always think is, uh, is, is, is always willing to do, take a lot of bets, take a lot of chances and always willing to try a lot of things. So, and got really, you know, I definitely don't talk to him every day, hardly ever. I think I've spoken to him like maybe once or twice and, uh, and, but he knows exactly what everybody's doing, which I think is the cool thing is he's always aware of everything that's going on. So it's pretty neat. He's a cool guy. Hey, uh, so you can finally hear me, Nick, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the question I had about, uh, you know, influencer marketing and all that is I read a blog post you had. It was, you know, you had three tips of following up people. And one of the questions I get asked when I go to different conferences or different places is how do I get how do I follow up and what are the ways that I can get noticed? You know, so if I send an email out to someone and they respond is it obnoxious to, to follow up? And if it is, if it isn't, uh, what is the best format to do so? And I know you have a step-by-step process for that. So I wanted to share that. Yeah, oh, man, I have to look at, I don't know if I have like the exact formula again, but yeah. usually I like wait about a week. <laughs> I know, like, I'm, I'm, I can't remember, to, if I can't like remember step-by-step every blog post, but um, you know, generally when I, when I hate people, I usually wait a week and then I try to like follow up with them again. And then if I don't hear from them again, I like wait a few weeks and then one more time. And then if I know here from like I try not to do it more than two or three times, and you get the good point, right? Yeah, you tell me, Tyler. No, yeah, I'll, it, I'll it, tell you. you this, correct this, my yeah. steps. This is what this is what I learned. It was it was art. Uh, no, it's time and tact and tools, right? Those are your the three right, art, right. The three time and tact and tools. Three. Yeah, and then you went through that. You know, timing was everything, and that was kind of what you were saying. And then you know, your tact matters. And um, obviously, you know, leverage the tools to help you, whether it's Salesforce or Charlie app boomerang reported and i wanted you I love, to sort of I love the charlie yeah yeah for sure yeah so i just wanted you to sort of go through that process because not many people know about i mean many people hear about these apps all the time but they don't know the best way or the most effective way to use some of these tools yeah 
Well, I think that you have to use tools in the right way, right? Like I don't automate a lot of the things that I do. I'm very much, I'm very much a hand, hand guy. And I like to, to do a lot of everything, but you know, you have to just, you know, I'm, I'm actually pulling out my email right now. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, because now I see there's all these good things. This is I'm really curious. Know, how many how many on your iPhone pending emails show up? Disgusting amount. Wow. You, and it's not that I don't read them. It's just I think that I have 23,916. 19,044. And on my other mail, I have 3,400. But that's not true. So here's the thing, like, the, you know, when it comes to following up people, I use a lot of tools. So I use right now, here are my tools that I use. I use, uh, I use Charlie app every day what is Char- because it what gives is Charlie me, app again? so Charlie app is something that like hooks into your address book and it hooks into your calendars. And so when it knows that you're meeting people, it's going to scan them and gives you like a quick summary of like their latest tweet or the last couple tweets or some news about their company and a cool thing that they've done. And that's always something that like I refresh myself. Because there's a lot of people, like generally I know everybody that, that I'm meeting with ahead of time or we've had somebody, but there are times where you want to just have like a little bit of nugget of good information going in or you want a quick refresher or you're hopping in and out or somebody else gets added onto a meeting that you don't know, right? You may know one person really well, but you may not know like that random second or third person that gets just dropped in because they're like, hey, I'm just going to have my colleague come in and they're going to be with me. And that gives you, it's like a good way to like lock everybody in and remember. Uh and I also use right now. I'm using uh, Yesware, and I think that Yesware is a great tool because Yesware allows me to like schedule emails as well. So you know, that's the other thing. When I talked about timing, I think he talked about Boomerang before, but I've since moved on to Yesware, and it's something that allows me to, like remind myself and set those reminders like when I do set emails right away. Mm-hmm. So most of my emails have like a one week reminder. If I if I haven't heard back from somebody within a week, it'll it allow me to check like what else are they doing. There, that, thanks for putting the blog post. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in a week, I can then check their other social channels and see what they've been up to. Maybe they've been out of town. Maybe they've been doing other stuff. Like, I don't, I don't say that I'm like creeping on their accounts, but I mean, if it's a really important, if it's important, an important email or or a business connection that I'm working with, and it's important, maybe I will check there because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to overload him. There's no reason for me to follow up with him that right. day if I can see that he's like on a ski lift, and, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere in Vail. There's absolutely like. Maybe he's checking his email that day right there, but clearly he's having a good time doing something else. So maybe I'll wait, but then I'll know. And I'll be like, oh, hey, I saw you had a good time. You know, did you have a good time doing your thing or whatever? Like that. So I think that they're interesting like triggers that help remind you. And if you do send out a lot of emails, like, you know, as a, as a startup founder, like I am, you know, we're, we're hustling. We're out there. Like I have like at any time, I have like 15 to 25 different proposals that are out trying to get business with people so you know you want to build those relationships but you also want to be very personable and that's the one thing i want to do is like i want to have a lot of relationships with people but i don't want to do like you know i really don't want to do like marketing automation type stuff where it is just more of like here's this offer or here's this here's this ebook thing you know i'll be the type of people like we had 700 people download this uh snapchat ebook which chris caribou chris who's in the the group right now or i'll shout him out chris McEwen helped us run some really awesome Facebook ads uh, and we drove a ton of conversions and we have a lot of leads now. Um, but I don't want to just put them in some type of like marketing automation yeah. funnel, even though for some companies that might work for me, I want to have a hand, you know, a hand curated. I, I, relationship. Think, I think marketing automation and we could have, we could devote a whole hour to talk about this, but I think marketing automation is a sin really. Uh, the best oh, way. Come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, when you think about it, 
I just, I think, no, I don't, I don't think so, but I think that there's ways so, that you could do. I think if you're sending that. mass emails to a large, to a large list, and then based on activities and triggers, you're going to send certain emails by certain dates. I totally get it, guys. But if you're also trying like to land the automation to surface insights, that's what I want. I like the land, idea of if you're trying to land a, and you're shaking your head no, Tyler. So I, I want to hear what you think about this. But here's where I'm going with it. If you are trying to land a deal, so in the case of Del Mondo, who's trying to land a deal with a brand, I'm sorry, you're not going to get a brand marketer or director of marketing or a CMO. No, you're not going to get a CMO to sign off automation. and cut you a check because you auto tweeted them or they started getting three or four auto emails from you. I'm sorry. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> like I, I don't, I think there's certain ways you can use marketing automation to make it, you know, personal. It doesn't, I don't think, I think it's a tool that you can use to help automate your system and help you get to, you know, effective systems. I don't think it's as blasphemous as you're making it seem, but I, I, I think if companies use it effectively, it can definitely get the desired effect. I just, I mean, I, Nick, when you were starting, when you were using your startup, I'm not sure if you use it as, as religiously as many startups do, but when you start using marketing automation tools, you know, what's that benefit that you want? Like you, you want to be able to get, you know, to, to, you know, a certain amount of people, you want to be able to put them in certain channels and all that type of stuff. You want to be able to segment stuff, but it's not like you're initially thinking, oh, I'm going to get the biggest CEO or everything. I think it's behind the intention, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that where I'm trying to do is I know, I know the, I really, I know the audience that I'm trying to reach because exactly. they have the budget that I'm going after. Um, I think that marketing, like I said, I think marketing automation could be good to surface insights that can help me make better decisions. But I'm, I also sit, I got on Carlos's side where it's like just generic spamming. Like I'm okay with, I don't know. I'm very cautious about like if you jump on my site a bunch of times, if then that fires an email over to you, I'm like I'd rather, I'd rather know that you did that, and then I'll send you an email by myself. Is that an automated email? Is that not? Who's to know? Maybe they look exactly the same. Yeah. Me personally, I feel better. I feel better about it. So that's just like Here's from where I standpoint. Like if you love data and you love optimization, sure, of course it makes sense to if you know, and if you are like, if you are there's there's reasons behind that too, right? Like. If you are, if you are like a LinkedIn, let's just say, let's throw it up to like, if you're a Facebook, you know, every email that you get from Facebook is in essence marketing automation, right? Like True. every notification, every, that's all at all it is exactly. because you're going yeah. in there to do more. And, and so that makes sense, right? Like if you have a giant audience that you can't service that the scale of your, your sales force or your customer service force can't service by hand then I think marketing automation is probably smart. Like if you're Oracle, right? That Oracle, it has millions of customers all over the world. And even though they have thousands of marketers, there's no way that they can all reach every one of their prospects at every, at every point. There are a lot of them, right? Like they want to get a big net. And so I think that if you, if you physically cannot by hand service your scaled audience that you're trying to reach, then that probably makes sense. But if you're not, there's no reason that you, you know, that you aren't just reaching out to everybody and finding better connections. That's my, that's just my personal opinion though. It's like everybody has a different approach to it. No, and, then, no and you're right. And that's what I'm, that's what I was exactly what I was saying. It's behind your intention. I think there's some organizations who are just optimized to just, like you said, you mentioned Oracle and all these people and you go to the conferences. It's ridiculously big. The amount of people, they boast about the numbers. You can't imagine like someone reaching out to each of those people. But if you segment it to the right person, it sort of makes it, you know, it's better to manage. Sometimes you can't even, yeah. 
But then for other companies, startups, obviously that person approach is better. But I, I think, you know, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's sin, but I think it's uh, um, it's one of those things that you have to sort of take. With a I think it could be useful. Yeah, like yeah. think about it. Like when you go to Del Mondo's website, if you go to delmondo.co right now and you sign up for our Snapchat analytics ebook, you will get an automated email that comes from me that says, thank you for downloading, you know, thank you for signing up for your email. Click here for your download file. But once you put your email in there, it bumps you to an auto, you know, it automatically bumps you to a confirmation page. Exactly. And that's, you know, the reason that I do that is, is so I measure, right? Like I want to measure the conversions I'm running. You want to know your power you I'm advertising and marketing in many channels, but like, you know, but it's not like there's no, there's no automation that says in a week from now, I need to send them this next piece of content. I, I think that there are, there are strategies for that. I, and I just choose not to do that personally. All right. Well, Nick, we I could honestly other people too. So, but <laughs> we could we could honestly go on 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 and on, and we probably need to invite you to talk, uh, come back on to talk about marketing automation. But I do want to be respectful of the audience and the time that we've taken. I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties, which mostly on my end. But um, I want to thank you for coming on. And can you tell us where we can find you on Twitter, Facebook, social media, and then uh, you know maybe we'll do a part two with you on marketing automation because that. I could see the passion behind uh, the, the already the division um, that that can cause. So obviously, speaking to you, learn some more stuff about that. But yeah, where can we find you, and what's new with you? So uh, you know, we are getting ready to launch some exciting new technology at Del Mondo, and so I encourage everybody to go check out delmondo.co. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat, Nick Cicero, uh, and you can find me on every pretty much every social network as Nick Cicero, C I C E R O. Uh, at delmondo.co sign up we have a weekly newsletter that goes out that talks about the creator economy influencer marketing and branded content along with you know updates on the cool projects that we're doing um, and that's about it I would say that you know I'm always accessible I'm probably one of the most accessible men on the internet so if you're interested hit me up send me a tweet I see them all um, you know and I'll try to get back to any questions that anybody has um, I'm always curious to know and you know anytime uh-huh. you want to chat so it's, so it's safe to say uh, social media is better is a better way to reach out to you than your emails. <laughs> well, I don't want email. I don't want email from everybody. Let's be honest. <laughs> like I think that it's dangerous to give out your email to everyone. I mean, you know, you could send. I'm not saying you can can't find and send me an email, but I don't want everybody spamming my inbox either. Uh, well, yeah, so, it's ready. Connect with me on social. Let's see. Like, I want to see the other stuff too. I want to see what people are creating. Yeah, so, if you are on social media, you that, socialize, so. right? That's how the game works. Yeah, pretty much. And marketing is one on one. It's not automated. My email. Let's talk about this again. <laughs> Nick, you have been great. Closing notes. First, I want to thank everyone that has tuned in and watched this live today on Blab. Thank you so much for those of you that have downloaded the podcast on iTunes. You guys rock. Make sure that you give a really amazing rating to Nick, my brother from another mother. I want to thank you once again because. I would not be where I'm at today in my career if it wasn't for you. And I believe wholeheartedly in giving credit where credit is due. And that is hashtag real talk. So thank you, Nick, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Love you, Carlos. Love you too, man. All right. Um, Till next week, use your difference to make a difference. Peace. Ooh, I love that line. That's my mission statement, boy. (laughs) That's great. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hustle Culture Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and keep on hustling.